title of our message is Zacchaeus Come Down. Zacchaeus Come Down. Uh, the 44th chapter in the 20th through the 21st verse, 24th verse of Isaiah reads, He that feeded on ashes uh, a deceived heart, he had, tur- had turned him aside that he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant, I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Thou shalt not be forgotten of me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord had done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains. O forest and every tree therein, for the Lord had redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spread it abroad by myself. Then the reading coming from the book of Luke, the 19th chapter, first to the 11th verse. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thine house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore to him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask your word to go home to the hearts of the hearer and these scriptures today. I'm talking about a wealthy man that was the chief of the public, the chief of the tax collectors, it says chief among the publicans. We remember the publican, one of the publicans was praying, Pharisee praying beside him, and the Pharisee felt he was above the publican and was talking about all his good characteristics against what the publican stood for, and the publican just smote itself on his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, sometimes, as we start to come to consciousness in the Word of God, and God's awakening us, and we walk, we'll see that God had been working in the earth, and God works with His people that are laboring down here, and we're lost and in darkness, and the world is not our home, and it's something that causes us to know that we're different, and we're not satisfied with this world. We're not we're not comfortable in this world, no matter whether you're in poverty or you're in wealth. 
And, you know, because a lot of people talk against wealthy people and they speak of the rich, against the rich. But God has a lot of people that are wealthy and he wants us to prosper and be in hell. Sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves and we look and we murmur against those that God had prospered. And one of the signs of the redeemed is Job, Joseph, David, God's people. Once God redeems you, we start to become sons of God. I tell you to mark that verse that Deacon read opening up because when he pours his spirit out upon us, then we could be fruitful. We begin to be fruitful. That's a Manasseh. You first have to have a Manasseh before you can have Ephraim. And when God converts you, your fruit finality comes aboard about to cause us to be fruitful. And God wants us to prosper. And he's a prosperous man. Listening at the different sermons throughout the time on Zacchaeus or whatever, I think they've portrayed Zacchaeus a little bit wrongly. They portrayed him. Whereas I say Christianity, a religion that has pigeonholed people, has been, I don't know, how can I say it? I don't want to say ostracized, but they've set Zacchaeus in a wicked light. Just like now we, we have a lot of the governmental people of the people in this political atmosphere talking against the FBI agents talking against the political service and everything. I think it's a lot of people in politics that really want to do good, that really want to do good for the community and the people. I think it's a lot of people in the world that's in police protection and in all phases of life that that's laboring just like everybody's laboring down here. And when they went to Babylon, he told them to work and be at peace and pray for the peace of that nation. Daniel had a high position in government, Shadrach, Meshach, and all of them. So to be in government and to be in a position of working, God says, work as you're working unto the Lord. Maybe that's what Zacchaeus was doing. He was the chief publican. In other words, he was over a group of tax collectors, probably. Maybe at one time, Matthew was under his command or his charge. Mm. It was the chief. In other words, it was structured as the IRS, top, one of the top men in the IRS. And the way, I don't want to go through the wrong way Roman structure was or whatever too much in detail. But through these <coughs> providences, they led it out to where different People could buy a franchise or could buy the collections in that area, and they would take up the taxes in that area and pay the Roman government a certain amount of taxes that the Romans required from that area, that vicinity, just like we're taxed or whatever. And whatever they get beyond that, it was for them. Just like it is today, they're crooked politicians, they're crooked, but there's a lot of people that are tax people that are doing their job that aren't crooked. There are a lot of politicians that aren't crooked. I was seeing this thing <clears throat> this week that the mayor came down and she wants to put a, a fee on the sewer, uses fee to help with the drainage and the sewer thing. We all complain about taxes and fees and all these different things. But you didn't heard of the word a necessary evil? These things are necessary 
for a community and for the world to get along. What happens when it floods? What happened with the, what it was, the 2016 flood or whatever? What do you want? The government to come in and pay you and, and to help you and get you back on your feet or whatever, right? To help the people. What happens if you're not paying taxes and not supporting the government? That's why Jesus says every power and authority that he had established governments, he hadn't established crooked governments, but if it's crooked, it's there crooked for a reason or whatever. But government is there to help people to build roads and restorations. Governor DeSantis in Florida and a lot of people that talk against the federal government in the collection of taxes, well, they want Biden and the federal government to bail them out and they want them to come in and help FEMA and everybody else to help restore order and to build back. Everybody wants benefits, but they don't want the, the sacrifices that it requires. Jesus, he paid taxes himself. He told Peter, you go out and catch this fish and you pay my taxes or whatever, and yours also. So paying tribute to Caesar and running into these systems, we have to be careful of who or what's around us and why God has these structures in line. Today we're looking at Zacchaeus and a lot of people, like I said, they had formed their opinions of Zacchaeus and like I said, I don't think Zacchaeus was one of those. I think Zacchaeus was a child of God laboring in the world, and God called him out of the world. God called him out of the world because, you remember you said about the plates we come when our plates and we're hungry and we want to be fed? Well, if you hunger and thirsting for righteousness, God will feed you. That, that's part of the Beatitudes. It's, he says, he that is hunger and thirst for righteousness. Zacchaeus was laboring as a tax collector, but maybe that job had gotten monotonous to him or whatever, and he was doing his best in it or whatever, and he was aboard, above board in that job or whatever, in doing that job. He wasn't one of the crooked. I don't think Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach was some of the crooked people in Babylon. I think Sharon Broom have done a wonderful job as mayor, and I think it's necessary what she said. But there will be the rebel rousers. There was those coming out of Egypt that mixed multitude were rebel rousers. That there, there always is that rebellion, and we've seen this with the last political opponents and things we had in the last six or seven years. We see where it's disastrous, but Jesus was passing through Jericho. And we know God doesn't do anything just capriciously. There's a plan in effect. We need to see, are we part of the plan? I, I know I'm part of the plan. It, it's faith. It's those that he's looking for by faith that knows that that were before the foundations of the world that God had chosen a people. God had chosen the first fruits those that he would redeem, and the Father gave him the Jesus Christ. The Father gave him the Jesus. And none that the Father had given him would be lost. Well, here comes the chief shepherd, the first point, redeem. The first point is redeem. Notice that Jesus came seeking Zacchaeus, although he says he wanted to see Jesus. It says Jesus said to him, uh, and when Jacques clammed up in the tree, 
and by, as I can get to that portion, that he came seeking Jesus. He, he says, uh, and he sought to see Jesus, who was who, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little in stature. He was a short man. He didn't get there early enough to get at the front of the crowd. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Another group of people that had pressed into the house and the house was full because Jesus would draw the crowds and these people had to come through the roof. Well, here comes Zacchaeus. Think of Danny DeVito. You, you didn't see Danny DeVito. He was a short man. He was a little short man of stature. And he's trying to see Jesus and he can't see him. So he climbs up a tree. How desperate are you to see Jesus? How hungry are you to see Jesus? Now only the peer shall see God now. See, to see him as he are. Because there's a lot of us blind even though they see. As he told Thomas, how long I've been with you and you had not known me. See, he has to open up his eyes like the disciples on the road to Amanus. It was until he gave them the bread to open their eyes so that he could, they could see him. See, sometimes we're right here with God. We're right here. The kingdom of heaven is right here among us and we see it not. We're dwelling and toiling in darkness and we're hungering for righteousness. God's putting those desires in you. So as much as he was desiring and hungering to see God and to climb that tree, I don't know what you had to go through to get here this morning. I don't know what you have to go through this week to get and hear from God, to see God, what you've been struggling, whether you didn't want to come or whether you just was like a day's year. I think we need to pray for our lawn man, our yard man, I talked to him this week and he'd been having heart problems or whatever and he get up and he has shortness of breath and he, sometimes he has problems and he just don't have the energy. He starts off but then he becomes like a day, you know, the energy is just a drain. And see, the world has a drain upon us. We have a drain sometimes, but that hunger and the desires that God give us is like Cornelius. You remember Cornelius was praying and praying and it offered up alms. The centurion, he was a good man and he offered up alms and he would do good. Well, there's a lot of God's people that are struggling in doing right out there but hadn't cut quite caught sight of Jesus. As Simeon, when he caught sight of Jesus at the temple, he was ready to, to die. Then he says, Lord, it is enough now. He had seen the salvation of Israel. He had lived some maybe close to a hundred years like Anna. After Anna seen Jesus, she was ready to go. We toil just to see Jesus, to catch a glimpse of him. And here's Zacchaeus, that desire. God has to give us that desire, hunger, but he comes searching and seeking those that are lost. It says the Son of Man came to seek and save those that were lost, those that the Father had given him. How many of us feel lost? You know, once we start feeling that lostness and want to go home, that this is not our home, you know, this is this is not, a, we don't feel right in the world. And that's one thing about God. He don't allow his people to feel right in the world. He came to that tree and he looked up and seen Zacchaeus and he said to them, he says, Zacchaeus, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this household. Because he too is a spiritual son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. 
you said, and that's what we've been reading and studying about, that he was going to pour out up of his spirit up on all flesh, on your sons and daughters. Do you, do you keep your children in your prayer? Do you keep people in your prayer that you want the Spirit of God to fall upon? We, we notice the promises of God, and He came seeking the spiritual, that is, that seed of Abraham that walks by faith that's looking by faith, that has that hopelessness, they're on a trajectory to see God, but they need to be able to see that perspective in which God sees from, in which Jesus reveals the Father unto us, being led by the Spirit. And the only way we can get there, we must needs be born again. We have to be born again. Now, in that lineage in Jericho here, you remember the walls of Jericho Come tumbling down. They have some walls in Jericho. There's walls in the world that's keeping God out. That's trying to keep God out. Even though God sends spies to infiltrate Jericho. He infiltrates the world. And that's us. We are his witnesses to tell people about God. We tell others about God. And Rahab hid these spies. Rahab noticed that something was different. That they was conquering this gospel is conquering. Are we his witnesses? To be a witness is you have to be redeemed because you have to have a message. You remember a king that was in battle or whatever, and he said, could I run too? He said, well, what you go tell him? You don't have a message to sell someone. You have to have something to tell someone of interest for them to hear. That's why it wasn't until Isaiah was purified and God had put the coal on his lips and he became pure. And then he says, Lord, send me. He asks, who shall I send? He says, send me. See, now you can tell who God is because Zacchaeus couldn't tell who God was because he had to seek God. And a lot of people says, choose Jesus. Let Jesus know. No, Jesus has to choose you. He said, I've chosen you. You hadn't chosen me. And he went there and he chose Zacchaeus. Now, like I said, Zacchaeus come from a long line. He was in Jericho. He was passing through Jericho. And remember the walls of Jericho that had fell down about Rahab and she had the scarlet thread and it saved her whole household. You know, Rahab was, they call her Rahab the harlot. She made the hall of faith though. If you look in Hebrews chapter 11, Rahab is in there. See, because this was a woman that, like I said, the naysayers, those people that always murmuring, just like they was talking about Zacchaeus, that he was a tax collector, he wasn't any good, he was doing that. They talked about Rahab also. That she was a harlot, that she was a woman of ill repute. And See, people could talk about you. But they could destroy your reputation. They talked about Jesus and they said he was born of fornication or whatever. But that's when we have the blessings upon us if, if we know whose we are. He says, Blessed are you when men see all manner of evil against you and persecute you and do all manner of harm against you. See, because in that lineage of Rahab's lineage, people that struggle was Boaz. One of the great grandfathers here of David, right? But that was in that same lineage here. And when he says a son of Abraham, that puts him, that puts 
Zacchaeus in that lineage. That, that puts us in that lineage because we're sons of Abraham walking by faith, right? Now, God knows where we are, and he's come to draw us unto him with that effectual call. God's going to call his own home. He's going to seek and save those that are lost. He comes about as he... You remember when he was calling his disciples? None of his disciples turned away from him when he seen Matthew sitting at the seat of custom. He called Matthew to, at the seat of receipts. Matthew came and followed him. Nathaniel, when he came to Nathaniel or whatever, and Nathaniel was trying to think about it, and he says, how do you know about me, Nathaniel? Asked Jesus. And Jesus replied, he said, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Jesus know where you're at and you know what you're doing. At all times, don't think you can hide from Jesus. He see what you're doing. He see you. He, you know, that's where they, they're copying off Jesus when they put this old fake guy in that Santa Claus. Santa Claus, he's not Jesus. He says Santa Claus knows when you're naughty or nice. He knows when you're good. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows all. Only God knows all. Only Jesus knows these things. He knows what you're thinking about, why you're thinking what you're thinking. So he knew Zacchaeus and he was going to meet Zacchaeus. That rendezvous was destined, just like he says he must needs go through Samaria. He had to meet the woman by the well. You see, he was led by the Spirit of God. Are you led by the Spirit of God? Do you allow the Spirit to lead you and guide you about? You must be born again. That's why I say you must be born again to know who to talk to, to know where to go. Because your body is not your own. You're directed by the Spirit of God. Because those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. He has to adopt you into his family. So he says salvation has come unto this house. So he had redeemed. He bought him back. Those that were lost, that's the redemption of the body. Now it's not a total redemption. Now we, we talked about this, a process. Redemption is a process. But the second point is, after you are redeemed, comes reconciliation. You know, when you reconcile to one another. See, a lot of times, I told you, when you forgive people, and there's a lot of, sometimes there's no reconciliation there. Joseph's brother, Joseph, had forgave them, but I don't think it was a reconciliation on their part. It was a reconciliation on the part of Joseph. See, when you reconcile with someone, that means fellowship is restored. That's what Jesus came to do, to reconcile us back unto God. That's why he says, turn unto me. You need the fellowship with God. You need that fellowship. When he calls us, because of the desire and hunger that he placed us, we joyfully come to him rejoicing because he feels that thirst that we have, that hunger we have, and we continually keep coming to him day by day, rising up, asking to give us our daily bread. Give us this day our day, because that's our necessary food. That's where we get joy and happiness from. I, I was so bu I was so happy and so spurious the other day, and my brother was trying to find, he, he said, well, I don't want to take your joy. I said, well, no, that's something you can't take. I was laughing at something that was going on and I just kept thinking about you don't want to be left holding the bag. 
Isn't that something about how God can just give you things to keep you happy all day? Just little minor things, little songs, little things that can happen in life that keeps you with that joyful attitude. When people see that, they want that joy. See, because most people are angry. They're downtrodden. They're running around sour. They're running around bitter. They can't get through the day. I think Zacchaeus could get through the days after he had met Jesus. It says, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When you receive that joy, when you receive what God has to give you, like I say, now you can give it to somebody else. You can give these things away. That's what you freely, you receive it, freely you give it. A lot of times my nephews and things, they be saying, well, I love you, Uncle, I love you. Okay, I understand that. And a lot of times I tell them, well, you don't have to just keep telling me that. You know why? Because it seems vain. It seems something kind of a feigned love or whatever. Because you don't go to church. You don't know nothing about God. How can you know what love is? Once you start loving people, you don't have to keep repeating it. It's reciprocal. You can see it in the actions and what they're doing. You can see it in the sacrifices. You can see it in the work that's going on in your life. You don't have to keep telling your children that you love them or whatever. They can see that. They'll look back when they get older and say, well, you know, Daddy and I, I say a lot of times my children say, I don't know how you did it or whatever. It was God doing it through me. He's the provider. He's the reason I didn't just run off and take off. I labored under responsibilities and obligations. And that's what he did this joyfully. Nick Zacchaeus did this joyfully. When you find Jesus, Psalms 110.3 says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thine power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thine youth. In other words, this joy that comes over you, this thing that had came over Zacchaeus, it wasn't about what he had is about who he had become. He had been adopted into the family of God. See, the Redeemer, the Lord, there's a joy because you've laid that burden down. You no longer fear death. There's instruction that comes into your life. You know, sometimes we just read scriptures here and we see where he said he was going to go to his house. You know, probably that was a long conversation here. You know, that was fellowship and, and and he told Nicodemus a whole lot, I mean Zacchaeus a whole lot of things at this time, just like on the road to Emmaus, he began at Moses and started telling them a whole lot of things. We have a story to tell. As we start telling that story, others start to hear it and it causes them, it's like seawater, to, to hear more about the Lord. They want to hear more. That's why you keep coming back to church. That's why you keep coming back to the Word of God because it keeps filling you up. It's like a river of water coming through the desert in the dry places. And now you see why you work your labor, why you was honest when the guy next to you wasn't honest. He wasn't working faithfully. He wasn't working in a way that it was a difference. It was a distinction. Pharaoh seen that God was with Joseph. You can see that the difference in a child that something's different about this child. Some children has a little darkness or something in them that may not be 
complimenting that you know God's going to have to file that off. You know, that's why a lot of times your parents or people pray more for one child than the other because he needs more work on him. You know, all of us aren't, you know, it says all of us created equal. We all created as people, but God has to work on each and every one of us in, in different areas. In different areas, He has to work upon us. John 12 through 13 of the first chapter says, But as many as He received, to them He gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. So here was the birth that he gave Zacchaeus into the family of God, that ability to become sons of God. Now that's a faith walk there. That begins a regeneration. That reconciliation and fellowship with God, it has along that line a communion of praying and talking to God. That's why Jesus, those that was doing work, feeding the needy and laboring and doing all these things, they were working in darkness. And when they come through the throne of grace, Jesus says, I never knew you. That's because they didn't have fellowship with you. They didn't report each morning and say, Lord, send me today and direct my steps and guide me as to what I need to do. They were self-motivated. They were self-ambitious. They wasn't asking God to lead them. They knew what they wanted to do. They knew who they wanted to help. Nobody told them anything. They were self-generated. We, like little children, we go and pray and talk to God. We always under our head that He's with us because we're not doing our will. We're doing His will. So He knew them because They stayed in communion with him. They were in prayer with him. They stayed in the word of God. It's no fellowship, no greater than studying that word. And in that word, you doeth rest. He is our rest. All those that are labor, he says, come unto me and rest. It's nothing like getting in that word. And he revealing his thoughts and his ways unto us. He creates strong desires because those promises in his word get nested into our very, we assimilate them into our very being, into ourselves. Uh, But like I said, those faith blockers, those that hinder you from growing, I call them faith blockers, those people that talk and bring doubts into your lines and things. They're sitting there in verse 7. Let's read verse 7. It says, And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was going to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Well, wouldn't he have to be a guest to go where they were if he came to save sinners? See, we stay arm's length away from people that we consider as vile, as lower than us. You know, I was thinking about Dr. This, this week and I was telling someone I said it may not be the doctor for you but I was thinking I think in the heart he's a good man but some of the places or the things he's doing may not be a right fit for some other people or whatever he's dedicated in some areas and I pray for him I pray for Dr. Clark or whatever. but my wife used to go to Dr. Clark my brother used to go I said maybe you need to be somewhere else or whatever 
But he's our Zacchaeus. He's laboring in somewhere in there. I think he's a good man. But see, sometimes we we stay where we don't belong. Zacchaeus probably kept being a tax collector. It wasn't anything wrong with a tax collector. Jesus gave instructions to you when doing your job. If you're in your job and he says, wherever you are, wherever the gospel finds you, you stay there. If you're in a marriage, don't seek to be loose. Wherever the gospel finds you, now if it, if it so happens to lose you, it's okay. But see, Sometimes we let our feelings and things get in between the work we're doing and what God called us to do. Now, the people murmured against Zacchaeus and say he was a tax collector. But suppose Zacchaeus, the people under Zacchaeus, as I was telling you about the mayor, I think some of the things that may be going on in our administration or different places or whatever, that she would straighten it out or try to get it straightened out if she could. I know that as a pastor, I know that as a parent, that my children may be doing different things. It's not that I raise wicked children or that the people in the church are wicked or the people of the city are wicked or whatever. It's just that you have to go back and you have to say, well, okay, if you're doing this, I have to have a better hand on it. God has to show me a better grip on this because I hadn't been a parent before but as going through I'm going to tell my sons and daughters what to do that that's right as God focused me in upon it but see Samuel when God told Eli what his children and his sons was doing he told his sons about this but the sons continued on David had a dysfunctional family you remember David's sons killed one another Absalom Absalom rose up and tried to kill David. See, so it's not that you're a wicked parent. A lot of times people see a a child go astray. How would you like to be the parent of a serial killer or some of these people that go out and shoot up and kill all these people? Is that a reflection on the parent? Does that mean that parent is wicked and evil? He might have tried all he could. Sometimes we try all we can with our children, but we don't want them to live that way, but they're living that way. We keep them in our prayers or whatever, but it shouldn't be a reflection on the prayer. Just because the rest of the tax, tax collectors was evil or wicked or doing what they were supposed to do, it doesn't mean Zacchaeus was that way. So Jesus had a right to go save him if he was lost, if he was a child of Abraham, if he was one of the redeemed of the Lord. And that's why it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When God saves you, you should glorify God and stand out in a crowd because now you are his witnesses that he saved you and he can save others. And we should go out and tell others that way and stand for God in that place. It always could be those that have a drag upon you. I don't know the president personally. I don't know any of anything personally or whatever. But if you're in that inner circle with whoever you're in that inner, you stick with the script. You stick with what God tells you. So I said, I don't know Dr. Clark personally, but I shouldn't speak evil of him and talk against him. And I should pray for him. And hopefully he's doing the right thing. 
but I shouldn't tear him down. Now, I can direct others. I can say, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you do this? Now, it's up to their faith. That's where faith comes in at. See, faith is comes by hearing. Just like preaching. I can preach the Word of God to you, but it's up on you to act upon the hearing of that Word. Zacchaeus acted upon the hearing of God's Word when he says, come down. Salvation, I must dwell at your house today. See, faith doesn't walk by sight. After you get in a situation or after the children get you in trouble, I had a son the other day that came back and said, Dad, I see what you was meaning about the team, my football team or whatever now, whatever. And he was, you know, okay, well, you understand and see now, and I don't ever gloat in things like that. I say, I told you so or whatever. But it's not faith. It's not faith. You didn't learn that lesson. Now, you like the rest of us, you laboring here in darkness. Now you know that there's people that's telling you the right thing in your life. Your parents might have told you the right thing. Your preacher have preached to you the right thing. Or this doctor told you the right thing. It was faith when you received it by hearing. But after it has been proven wrong, after you have seen it wrong, it's no longer of faith. Now you realize you've done the wrong thing. You've married the person that you shouldn't have married. You've done something that you shouldn't have done. So it's not faith departing from that after the fact, is it? It would have been faith if you'd have acted upon it when hearing of it. Faith is acting upon God's word, hearing and acting upon it because you're trusting in it because of the relationship. Remember I told you to have faith you have to have there's trust involved? See, because I may forgive you of other things, but it doesn't mean I trust you. You, you understand what I'm saying? See, we can trust Jesus because of his track record. We can trust him because of his word. And we know his word can't fail. But we know that we can't, if I can't trust you with my money, I wouldn't give you all of my bill money to go pay my bill and you have a history of doing something wrong with it. That would be foolishness. That's not faith. Well, won't you just have a little faith? Well, no, but that would be foolishness. Where's the relationship? The trust lies within us. So that was trusting in the relationship in this reconciliation with Jacchaeus. And so when the other thing that comes about in redemption and reconciliation is restitution. Is restitution. Because he knew the laws of God. Apparently he knew of restoring fourfold or twofold in the different ways of the, the, the law of restoration. Of putting back. It's Immediately we see him begin to be regenerated doing the work of God in verse 8. Doing the work of God. We know that redemption had come and it was salvation in his house. And this came before he said salvation was there. Listen, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore unto him fourfold. Now listen to that. Now that was a sacrifice, and that's what I say. When you come to the Lord, you're willing to start making the sacrifices. 
You're willing to pay your tithes and offerings. You're willing to help the poor. That's why when you work, you're working to help others that have need. Isn't it? He says he'll give half of his fortune to the poor. And it, I told you to start off, it said he was rich. It doesn't mean that Zach Kiels was like all of the rest of the tax collectors and the way he acted. And when he says, he says, if I have taken anything by false accusation. In other words, the people up under him could have been acting wickedly and he was restoring something that a corrupt person up under him was doing. He was going back making things right. He was going to straighten out that which was wronged. Because there's nothing wrong with being in business and making a profit. If you're in business and you selling cold drinks or something, or you selling goods, you have a right to put a profit margin in there to you making a profit because you don't want to be unprofitable service. It costs you to go to the store. It costs you to hold that stuff and sit on it. And if it go bad, it, it, you done lost money. Don't you have to labor to, to get all that there and make it convenient? So it's nothing wrong with making money. Now, exorbitant amount of money, overly charging, uh, uh, taking advantage of others, that's a whole different thing. But it doesn't say Zacchaeus did that. And like I said, there are people, if you're a tax collector, don't let people talk against the tax collectors to the point that if God had called you because we need tax collectors. If you're an FBI agent, or government, or police, or whoever you are, Work as you would work as unto the Lord. Man, we would be in some bad shape if we didn't have the police. These idiots that's running around here talking about defund the police. As John Kennedy said, when they get in trouble, let them call a crackhead then. We need the police. So if you're a police, be a good police. Work as you're working unto the Lord. We need good people coming in the times of this Medicare open enrollment or whatever. That's why it's, if you're proficient in insurance and understanding of the workings of these, and in churches they have those people, different church members, well, you can sit down with the elderly and the different people and explain which Medicare program would be better for them in open enrollment. I think that's where Eddie Long got in trouble with. He was explaining finances and things and different things to people in the church and all of that is necessary. But he had an infirmity or weakness and he crossed a line that a lot of us sometimes without God's spirit, we can cross those lines. Now, that line that he crossed, I don't know what he's doing now, what's going on, but God is the one that can pull us back when we cross lines. David was a man of God, a man after God's own heart. And he labored hard and he was resting from a battle. Maybe he should have been in battles. It was time for kings to go to war. But sometimes warriors get old. Mm -hmm. You know, David went out to battle and he was almost killed in battle. And his men surrounding him said, We'll no longer go, let you go to battle with us like this anymore. 
because we do get old, and, and that's from a sermon I remember my mother had, Remember Me. Because we're not going to be able to do what we're doing long. And that's why we pray for our sons and daughters, because we want them to come into the church. We want God's spirit to be poured out upon them. We want them to become the mothers and fathers in the church that directing the people and that's helping in salvation. That's why in the book of Malachi, he says, the hearts of the fathers turned into the sons. So... We see God pouring out the Spirit on Rahab's later generation, upon Zacchaeus, upon Dave, upon the rest of God's people. And that's what we need. When we turn to God, we begin kingdom practices, making the world as sons of God. In other words, giving back because God's going to give unto us. He's going to give us prosperity. And just like the, the children of Israel labored in slaveship, and in bondage in Egypt. But when they left Egypt, just like when we leave Babylon, God's going to pay us, we'll receive double. They talk about reparations. You know, when they got ready to leave Egypt, that's why God laid upon the Egyptians' heart to give them their gold and silver and all of these things. These things was to worship and to serve God with, but it was payment for their labor in which they had labored and toil, and they even had to make brick without straw. They had did different things. So uh, I remember on the movie Barbershop, when Cedric the Entertainer was saying, reparation, reparation, what they going to do? And make Cadillac one of the richest companies in the world. Because God sometimes have to hold back from some of us because we wouldn't know what to do with money if we had it. It says prosperity destroys the fool. You know, if some people would have to beware of, of quick riches because if they get money, it would be the worst thing that could have happened to them. Sometimes it says he have to keep you broke to keep you humble. <laughs> Sometimes Sometime God has to keep you down to keep you in his feet. Sometimes God has to take us out of this world. You know, that's one of the remote reasons he removed Enoch. It says Enoch walked with God and he was not. He removed him from that wicked generation. Sometimes God has to remove people from different communities. He had to remove Abraham before he could prosper. Right. <coughs> He had to remove Abraham from around his kindred before he can bring practicality in his life and prosperity. He took Lot, but Lot was one that couldn't do with prosperity. Lot lost all he had. He left Sodom with just the clothes on his back. He lost some of his children. He only had his two daughters when leaving. Sometime laboring down here, we'll let the naysayers rob us of our inheritances of things that God has for us. They could bring doubting doubts into our situation. They could say this is this and it's according to who you listen to. Zacchaeus went and climbed the tree hungering and thirst. A lot of people wouldn't have told you, you ain't no use you going, God ain't gonna save you or whatever. You just as crooked it or whatever. And they speak different things into your situation. But you be careful of what you're allowing people to speak into your life. 
I, I wanted to tell somebody that that this week. Don't let people speak sickness into your lives or you come back believing you sick, believing you something wrong with you. You speak that God says by his stripes you're healed. You know, Jericho was the same place where, where blind Bartimaeus was. When Jesus went through that, blind Bartimaeus was there. Listen at this, Mark 10, chapter 46, verse. And they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried out a great deal more. They said, shut up, man. Don't bother the mouth. He just, look, Jesus, you have mercy upon me. And Jesus looked and he says, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus and Jesus answered and said unto him, What will that thou should do unto thee? And the blind man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thine way, thy faith. This is what it is? Thine faith had made thee old. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. He wanted to go tell people about Jesus then. See, don't let the faith blockers tell you, well, you got diabetes. I think you got high blood pressure. I think you ought to mind your business and stop trying to, they'll have you see. You know, I was talking to my physical therapist the other day, you know, about 60 or 70% of all illnesses is psychological. You let people start diagnosing your symptoms and going online seeing this and saying this and that, that. Well, maybe go to a doctor. If you trust, if you let him take some tests or whatever. But don't you claim that sickness. Don't you go holler, well, this and that's wrong with me or whatever. And like I was telling my lawn man the other day, I said, well, look, just pray. And, and he said, I don't know what's wrong with me. Just that I feel. I said, it's all right. The yard's going to be there or whatever. Sometime God just has us to rest or whatever. And I'm talking this to him saying he may be back in the saddle or whatever direction God takes him. He's 74 years old. But I didn't speak illness up on him. I just said, look unto the Lord. But a lot of people say, oh, you know, that's a heart. You got, you need to diss it. And they'll tell you all kinds of things. And not they them put psych, psychologically, you you about to lay down and go to sleep and almost die. You about to go, as my brother would say, you sit in the corner and die. You stop doing everything. But I tell you, no, why don't you go to a physical therapist? Why don't you go to the doctor? Why don't you find this out and get to moving around, get to working or whatever? Because, you know, they say 90 is the new 40. So what you used to couldn't do, God has came to redeem you, to buy back. One of these old days, you will pull off that whole old body. It ain't going to hurt no more. He's redeeming you. So it's a process of growing in him. Stop claiming all these illnesses and things and cry out unto Jesus. Try to get a glimpse of him. Hunger and thirst after his righteousness. We have to live for our whole family, as I said. We have to live for others. I said, honey, let's go. Let's, let's go. It's communion day today. Let's get out there and do it. So we got the whole day ahead of us. But 
we could have liked the 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 thing what it was that that said that the sky is falling. We could have looked in doom and gloom, but then if you climb a little bit higher, you might can see a little bit further. Mm-hmm. I think I'll run on to see what the ends could be like. I think I'm gonna get up and look a little bit deeper. When we, when we begin to walk with the Lord, achieving His desires and goals, He places those within us, the desires of our heart. He wants to give us those desires. He implants those desires in us, and they're in His Word. Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, says, This is what the Lord says, He who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, He who brings out the chariot and the horses, the army and the mighty warrior." They will lie down together and they will not rise up again. They have been extinguished. They have put they have been put out like a lamp's wick. Those naysayers, those things that are blocking you, all that trouble. God's gonna move it, but you have to hunger and thirst after it. You have to struggle to see a vision, to get a vision, to get a glimpse, the violent taking it by force. In other words, this old man's gonna try to hold you back. But you must press on, press on and keep pushing on. The crowds go crowd around you and we talked about the crowds but sometimes you have to climb over the clouds. You have to climb over that crowd. My mother used to tell me, reach for the moon. Reach, reach higher. She never told me to slack. She never told me to slow down. She says, keep reaching for the stars. If you reach for the stars, you might land on the moon. I think about my mother. She's Place that within me, the faith that she had given me to press on because God is with me. Her prayers is with me. We pray for one another by such a great cloud of witnesses. I know Zacchaeus, he probably could see Rahab had prayed for him and saying, save me and my whole household. But they have to have faith that you love them and that you want the best for them. You don't have to keep saying it. You know, a lot of times you don't want somebody just saying the same thing over and over. Moses was coming at the Red Sea and he was praying to God and he says, what's that in your hand? He says, a rod. He said, well, get that rod, stretch it out and go on across that sea. See, sometimes we want to stop and talking, but we know what to do. Get the walking. Live as Jesus lived. He was our example. He was our pattern. We have to live and he so live. When we walk according to his way, he says, do not remember the former things upon the things of the past. Listen carefully and I'm about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even put a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. It's going to be things opening up for you. And it's going to be prosperity in ways you're going to pull off this old man. You're going to rise up and walk. You're going to climb the new heights because you've been waiting on God. And He now he's restored you. He's redeemed you. He, you mount up with wings of an eagle. And see, Zacchaeus had labored down here, but he caught a glimpse of Jesus. He had been laboring, and he was motivated to right away. Now, it was somebody, it says, one taken and one left. It was some naysayer side him, just like it was a naysayer next to the thief on the cross. One believed in Jesus, the other one didn't. It's going to be always those that's sitting around talking with you, bringing all those negatives and that doubt and stuff in there. You need to be able to not let people speak into your life. He'll give you drink. 
He'll give you water to drink. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. You'll be able to water others. You'll be able to give up coming to Jesus. As I close, you can't come to Jesus. Jesus comes for you. The book of John says, So Jesus answered, Stop mumbling among yourself. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draw them. That is, nobody until none of us desire after God. God gives us that desire, desire after Him. And He'll feel, He'll fulfill that desire. He said, I'll raise Him up in the last days. He'll raise you to new heights. It is written, anyone that are thirsty and hungry, He says, come unto me and drink. What are you climbing over in your life to see Jesus? Only the pure in heart to see Jesus. But you have to be washed by the word. There's a regeneration going. You sanctify. You set apart. You have to have clean hands. And as we talked about in Bible study, it's a process. Not that anyone had seen the Father except he who is in the bosom of the Father and has shown the Father unto you. He reveals the Father unto you. That's what Jesus does. He comes in our lives and he reveals the Father in you. He tells you, now you can pray our Father. And as you pray our Father, he says anything you ask, that he'll do. See, because you've been healed. You, you, all these things have been accomplished in time past, but he says, it is finished, walk therein. See, that's the problem, is walking. That's the problem. You know, you like my grandchildren. They, 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 when, once they start learning to walk, now they got to get their balance. They can't go too fast. They try to take them steps or whatever. Sometimes we have to walk slowly. Sometimes they, they fall back on their bottom. They're scared of falling. Don't be scared of falling. He'll catch you when you fall. He'll catch you when you're falling. He'll raise you back up. He's right there. He says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But it's going to be people around you that's naysayer. Watch what they introduce it into the conversation. There's a multitude of counsels. It's got people that can tell you and direct you in the way. You have to be able to make the right choice. You have to be able to see and do you trust those that are speaking into your life? How are they living? Are they moving on up? Are they content? See, Zacchaeus wasn't content. Even though he was wealthy, he, he wasn't a Laodicean. The Laodicean, Jesus was knocking at their heart's door, and they was blind, wretched, and naked. But when he came to Zacchaeus, he says, I must abide in thine house. Zacchaeus opened up the door. He let him in. He says, this day salvation has come unto you. See, the Laodiceans was blind, wretched, and naked. They thought they were rich, and they thought they had need of nothing. And that's how a lot of us are. We're spiritually bankrupt, and we think we're sons of God, but he says, but you of your father the devil. Jesus is seeking to save those that are lost. Have you realized you've been lost, and have you been found? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Be another Zacchaeus and come down from that perch you're sitting on. Heavenly Father, as we